0: ninjas calling all ninjas it's time for lime ninja radio
1: today on lime ninja
0: radio the first thing i would say is you know, all of your anger and all of your rights and the things that the injustices that you've experienced and the pain it's all legitimate but the question is do you want to hold on to that anymore do you want to continue proving to other people that you This is where you are.
1: This podcast is sponsored by the Lyme Ninja Symptom Tracker. I'm so excited to tell you about our new Lyme Ninja Symptom Tracker. One of the things I hear over and over again, whether it's talking to a patient in my office or consulting over the phone with a client, is just how difficult it is to keep track of progress on their Lyme journey. Recording symptoms daily or even weekly gives them too many data points, There's so many ups and downs, twists and turns, that at some point, they get lost and confused. The Lyme Ninja Symptom Tracker takes all the guesswork out of tracking symptoms with a simple monthly questionnaire. Once a month is the perfect interval to see if that new supplement or protocol is working. Right now, when you take the Symptom Tracker questionnaire, we give you a simple composite score for the month. But we have big plans, and the data you enter will not be lost as we roll out new features. Best of all, it's free. Just head on over to LimeNinjaRadio.com slash tracker and sign up. That's LimeNinjaRadio.com slash tracker. You'll be glad you did. Join us every Thursday on iTunes for the latest episode of Lime Ninja Radio. Hello, I'm your host, McKay Rippey, and this is episode number 241 with Gray Kirk.
2: It's now a countdown to 250.
1: It is. I'm getting excited. Also, that's Aurora, (laughs) our show producer, and the brains behind Lime Ninja Radio. Please welcome her.
2: Hello, and in this episode, you will learn three main things the importance of creating a mindset that will see you through your Lyme journey, why anger and healing don't mix, and why cultivating gratitude has a positive impact on your health.
1: Thanks, Aurora, and a big shout out to all you longtime Lyme ninjas. You're the reason we have more than half a million downloads. Aurora and I really appreciate you tuning in. And we'd also like to welcome all the new listeners out there. Welcome to Lime Ninja Radio, you're now officially a Lime Ninja.
2: And, as you know, (laughs) Lime disease is an international problem. Each week, we have listeners join you from all over the world. And this past week, we've had listeners tune in from Panama to Paris and from Sunnybank, Australia to Sweetwater, Tennessee.
1: Aurora is amusing herself (laughs) with vocal variety.
2: I am indeed.
1: One of the grading criteria on Toastmaster speeches is vocal variety. Oh, no. You're doing excellent. You should be a Toastmaster. (laughs) All right. Thanks, Aurora. And please tell us a little bit about this week's guest, Greg Kirk
2: Greg Kirk was sick with Lyme for 15 years. After not responding to Western medicine treatments, he started exploring energy work and holistic health practices. Since recovering from Lyme disease, he has focused his have- efforts on helping Lyme patients through organizations he has founded, including Ticked Off Music Fest, Ticked Off Foundation, a nonprofit patient fund, and Lyme Recovery Clinic and LymeKnowledge.com. Okay, McKay, why do you want to talk to Greg? Why did you want to talk to Greg?
1: We had such a great conversation about six weeks ago. When was that, when we talked to Greg last Just about. Yeah, six, eight weeks ago, something like that. And we didn't get to finish up. We ended up talking after we stopped the recording for a good half hour. And at the end of that said, we just need to do another episode fairly soon. So we did. And what we wanted to talk about... And we ended up talking about all kinds of things. But the mindset, the healing mindset, which really kind of gets back to his book, The Gratitude Curve. So it's so incredibly important to have the right mindset to heal. And we talk about all the impediments that can get in the way from being you know, sick with Lyme and being upset about it and upset about how you're being treated. And that can get in the way of healing. And his story is really about letting that all go and how it really made a huge impact in his healing journey in his Lyme journey so we've got our graphic organizer on our website you can visit that it talks about or shows you the Lyme journey the steps you need to take and the order you need to take them in and remember always have a plan b because plan, it's Lyme disease plan a doesn't always work the first time so always have a backup plan no matter what you're doing whether it's creating the mindset or taking antibiotics or taking herbs or whatever it is treating oxalates getting diagnostic tests, just always have a backup in mind. That's, that's the main thing that you need to do in your Lyme journey with our Lyme journey roadmap. Kind of create a roadmap where you can put pin it up on the wall and say, okay, here I am. This is what I need to do. And just to relax. You know, if you have the map up there, you know where you're going. You don't have to spend all night researching stuff, right? You can just kind of go on an information diet. That in and of itself can be healing. Because, you know, once you start researching anything, half the Internet hates it and half the Internet thinks it's the best thing since sliced bread. And it all comes down to what you're going to choose. And if you're relying on the Internet to make the decision for you,
2: it's you're never going to be able to make a decision.
1: Yeah, it's really, really tough. So make your decision, be at peace with it, and then don't read any more anything on the Internet.
2: Get some sleep. Get some
1: sleep. (laughs) Exactly. All right. Here's our interview with Greg Kirk. You know, I remember, this is what I remember from my last conversation, that I wanted to talk to you about something else.
0: <laughs> right, yeah. Oh, man, I was hoping you were going to remember what it was, too. Like, I think we we started off talking about one thing and then we veered off and talked about other things. Yeah, ex-
1: um, exactly.
0: Yeah. So I'm kind of, um, I mean. <laughs> believe me, we, there's plenty we could talk about. Um, you know, for one thing, something that just happened on Monday yesterday, um, just kind of hit, hit us out of nowhere, that the foundation, um, somebody must've shared us on Facebook, which, you know, happens all the time. But we had, um, like, 15 grant applications in, in two days, which may not seem like a lot, but it is a lot. <laughs> yeah, we used to have six applications um, a month. Um, and now we're we're getting, like, 50 a week. Um, but to get, like, almost half of that in, in two days, it's like, it was just overwhelming. And, and these aren't... Um, people just seeking money and trying to, you know, (laughs) these are legitimate cases, is what I'm trying to say, and almost all of them qualify, Uh, and the ones that don't are heartbreaking, you know, because their houses are being foreclosed on and they can barely get the documentation together because they've got neurological impairment and, um, yeah, or a lot of times because we ask for. There's some sort of proof of financial need they've been let go from their job you know or, or whatever and last year's tax return doesn't reflect what they are really going through so we, we have to ask them to wait so anyway that that's just that just hit us like a, a bomb uh, on monday just all these people out of nowhere um that's so that's that's one thing but um well, you know the other thing is <clears throat> we were talking about my book, and we we just kind of barely got scratched the surface on it. And um, I'm trying to remember what we wanted to focus on, <clears throat> but um, you know, another I don't know how how much you want to get into this, but I, I'm I'm currently writing a blog about. Um, why we should stop treating Lyme disease like a typical infectious disease. And it gets into the controversy that's kind of the hot topic right now, which is it's pretty, you know, after lab 257 came out and now after Chris Newby's recent book, bitten came out, it's pretty, there's enough evidence that people can talk about this without being called conspiracy theorists, but there's evidence that Willie Bergdorfer who, is the discoverer and father of Lyme disease that was actually involved in putting um, weaponized bacteria into ticks. And that uh, representative Chris Smith from, it has actually put a bill through this. I just saw this uh, yesterday where, where Congress is, is asking the Pentagon if, you know, if this is true. So, I mean, this is a real thing that's going on. And, uh, between the two books, Lab Two Hundred and Fifty Seven and Bitten, there's it fills in a lot of the spaces of that. You know, after World War II, there was something the CIA developed called um, Operation Paperclip, which took a lot of unrepentant Nazis from the labs, you know, the bioweapons labs, the all kinds of labs in in Germany, and brought them over to the United States. And in the case of uh, Plum Island, you know, that that was basically run by foreign Nazis. And they were developing diseases. And um, in uh, Fort Dietrich in Maryland, they were putting these diseases into vectors. And the the most popular was uh, some genetically modified ticks that were made more aggressive. And Willie Dorfer was involved in that. And, um, with, you know, by 1975, <clears throat> we started seeing these cases of, you know, in Lyme, Connecticut, which is, you know, only like a 20-minute bird flight <laughs> from from Plum Island, and then also not reported as much, a lot of cases along the coast of Long Island.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. Disease. Lyme disease. Yeah,
0: yeah Lyme disease. Yeah. And, um, you know, initially people are like, oh, it's just this spirochete. But as Bergdorfer said, you know, in his quote in the book, he he discovered the spirochete, but he also discovered a worm, a parasite, which now more and more people are are finding out is, is a part of it. And there's multiple pathogens. And Lyme disease is not one spirochete. It's multiple things. And it's weaponized bacteria. So I was... Trained by Dr. Cowden back in 2016, he showed a slide of what weaponized bacteria looks like. The spirochete he had us, showed us a slide of the spirochete that had been introduced to antibiotics, and it was um, creating biofilm, and it was it had three cysts on it. And back in the old days, I had heard that the spirochete kind of balls off into a cyst and goes into dormancy, and that's why you need to take cystbuster antibiotics and stuff like that. But that's not what he showed. He showed that it actually starts reproducing as a defense mechanism and leaves the bloodstream and it creates biofilms and all of this. He said, there's no way, you know, because antibiotics have only been around, you know, since the 1930s or forties, there's no way a bacteria could have naturally developed this defense mechanism in just a couple of decades. This, this kind of aggressive defense takes thousands of years, typically. So he said, "This there's science that this is genetically modified bacteria." This was back in 2016. He was talking about this, not openly, but to a group. Of, well, you were there actually. I don't know if you remember it. He he, was, he mentioned this. He showed this. It made a huge impact on me because I was one of the people who took antibiotics in the early uh, 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 struggle with Lyme disease and got biofilm biofilms so thick that. Um, Blood stopped coming out of my arm during a blood test. One at one point, they they stuck me, and about a vial and a half of blood came out. And after that, they stuck me in both arms. I had no blood coming out. It was, it it was just clotted biofilm. Up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So anyway, my point is, this is you know I see people kind of going through the traditional approach of treating an infectious disease when it comes to Lyme, and like, okay, you need to do this round of antibiotics. You need to do Uh, And then you're better and and all that stuff. And why is the government acting so weird about this? You know, the CDC, the NIH, the IDSA, why are they saying that there's no such thing as chronic Lyme and you've got post-treatment Lyme and you're crazy if, you know, you think you've got continued symptoms? And why is there no funding? That's another thing. There's no, of all the, you know, the big diseases out there, like AIDS and even Ebola and Zika, Lyme disease has gotten a fraction of the funding, you know, and the diagnostic tests are terrible. And it's just a weird, mysterious situation. But at this point, Lyme disease is easily the, you know, the fastest growing infectious disease in the world. And nobody's really talking about it like they did with AIDS or anything. So so we need to stop treating it like it's, something like a if it's, it's not it's multi pathogenic mutagenic, and the traditional methods don 't work and we and the things that do work are pretty much one off custom you know um, treatments that are not antibiotics or western medicine, although you know there there are some cases where you know low cases like low percentages of people who do get better and into remission but just in my experience, with hundreds of patients I've helped, it's more of an herbal treatment, and there's a diet is involved and stress reduction, and these things that are not traditional, not considered traditional, to fight, you know, an acute infection or even a more chronic one. So we got to stop <laughs> treating it like it is one, because it's weaponized bacteria that has been weaponized against antibiotics. So I don't know how you feel about that. Um, I don't know if you're recording now, but that was a pretty solid <laughs> um, uh, you know, treatise right there. But um, that's pretty controversial. It's becoming less controversial with Chris's book coming out. And I'm seeing more and more posts in the, in the Lyme world, especially after, you know, representative Chris Smith came out and just basically said, we got this, you know, what's going on here. So we don't have to do that, but I, I'm, I'm, releasing a blog here in the next couple of days about it because I, I'm kind of, I'm just tired of all these patients coming to me and saying, Oh, you know, what about, what about Dapsone and what about Isulfurum? Thys- you know, these breakthrough drugs that have all these horrible side effects and uh, you know, I'm hearing people are going into remission and yeah, well, some of them are, but there's a 15% chance that you can get this uh, blood reaction that is life-threatening if you take Dapsone. And there's, you know, one of the cases that is just mentioned in an article I saw on LymeDisease.org about disulfiram, the person who did go into remission also was admitted to a psych ward. (laughs) There's strong psychological side effects from it. And it, Makes me yeah, and all these, you know, all your, these knees, your
1: knees feel better, but you're crazy.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the guy said, "Well, it was worth it." Well, I don't know if everybody wow. would have that, that reaction. That trade so, off, yeah, yeah. I don't know if I want to take that chance. It's like these drug commercials you see on TV. Like, hey, my AC whatever numbers will go down, but you know, I might die from uh, you know suicidal thought. You know, whatever. I might die from. Uh, you know, chronic infections, or, uh, or you know, one of them ha- literally has an infection that, that can develop on your genitals. <laughs> like, you can't make this stuff up. So, um, but meanwhile, we've got the, these herb, you know, these herbal and natural remedies that have been working for thousands of years and do seem to work pretty well. You know, uh, depending on the on the patient, uh, that do fight this non-traditional uh, infection. So I don't know. That's, I, as you can see, I feel pretty passionately about it and I, I am going to, you know, uh, write this blog and publish it here in probably the next few days. But, uh, well, I understand if you don't want to get into stuff that I think still is considered controversial. Um, but you know, it's becoming less. So I think enough people are just fed up from, What's been going on? Why, why is it so weird? And there's a lot of angry people who are, you know, why does my doctor not believe? Why does insurance not cover anything for Lyme disease? And so
1: here's 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 my stance until it changes, right? I've always reserved the right to change my mind. So so actually, to back up even more, so let's let's say that. Uh, weaponized, quote-unquote weaponized and altered infection uh, mm-hmm. was created and mm-hmm. got loose uh, whether right, or we don't even get into whether exactly. it was done on purpose yeah. or if it was yeah. an yeah. accident, right? And, um, you know, let, let anyway, yeah. so let's just yeah. leave that alone. Agreed. Um, but that, that doesn't mean that there also isn't a wild
0: type. Right. No. No. They well. did
1: take a wild right. type and weaponized. That's so that's clear. So, yeah. Yeah. So. 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 May. So. Perhaps. You know. Again, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, in endorsing this point of view, but it's just from a thought experiment that you would have two. Uh, we know there are already more more than one right, variation yeah. of Lyme disease out there, but that you would have two major pools, kind of the wild type, which has its characteristics and then this
0: mm-hmm. weapon
1: yeah. version or this mm-hmm. altered version which would have a, another set of characteristics sure. as well and then like you said may perhaps you're not even dealing with the with the same mm-hmm. you know may look the same on the outside but have totally different genetics right. and react differently I mean look what happens with you know with the, the genetically modified uh, corn mm-hmm. and soybeans that they have uh, so normally a plant would mm-hmm. just die when it's sprayed with glyphosate, mm-hmm. but it just it just ignores it after that, and that's just one one mm-hmm. gene mm-hmm. insertion there. So it's it's enti- it's entirely possible. Now the other thing is, when faced with, and this doesn't mean it's not true, right? But when faced with unexplainable mm-hmm. phenomenon. Which you know fill in the blank? How come my doctor doesn't? Right. Blah blah blah. How come the government mm-hmm. isn't? Da 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 da. Mm-hmm. How come there isn't more funding? Mm-hmm. How come I can't get better? I mean, that's Horowitz's yeah, book. Is yeah, why exactly. can I can't get yeah, better. Right? <laughs> right? You know. So it, it's it's mm-hmm. it's the nature of the beast that we are going to generate an explanation because otherwise we just stay up all night. And one of the one of the explanations, and like you said, it's it has some. There's some pieces out there, right? There's some validity to it. It's not fact free. It's not a hallucination. Is that something went horribly wrong uh, on on this bioweapon side of thing? And we know, and it's facts, right? They're been they're bioweapons. That's that's a real thing. Uh, my wife, my wife worked at uh the Johns Hopkins School of Public Health, and I forget how many floors down in their basement, and they don't advertise this fact. They have a level, whatever it is, mm-hmm. biocontainment center. And they have, like, some of the horrible diseases mm-hmm. that have been eradicated that they keep alive down there because they have mm-hmm. to study them from time to time. And to get down there, it is just mm-hmm. like a science fiction movie. You know, you go through the airlocks, and you get the suits on, and you have yeah. a breather, and you get to decontaminated you know, these these things aren't just yeah. movie it, it is based yeah. on reality so uh you know i'm yeah. we're talking about it so we'll we'll link to your blog and you know again i i don't particularly <clears throat> lean in that direction but that doesn't mean it's not true I'm, i don't hold myself to be the the arbitrator of truth and i know what's going mm-hmm. on it's entirely possible it's, it's a coherent explanation for some of the difficulties with this, yeah. without a doubt.
0: Yeah. Anyway. Um. So
1: you have a particular passion for a person's mental, emotional, and let's say spiritual, thrown spiritual as though, sp- condition in terms of getting healthy. Now, what, you know, how healthy is it? for somebody who's struggling with their health with this infection to get all cranked up and go grab their pitchforks and march on whatever, fill in the blank, Washington, their state capital. Is, is that is that an appropriate, is that something that people should be doing?
0: All right. So I think that was what we were going to talk about today, actually, which it was getting into the more The spiritual aspect of the illness, and honestly, I think it would be great to kind of have it collide with this other point of this is why this is another reason why it's different um, than an an acute or a traditional illness. Is I am seeing time and time again that people who stay in the mode of you know being a quote unquote lime warrior who are activists who are angry. Rail against the system, all that kind of stuff. Which, and this is where it gets very confusing, because then people will say, "Oh, well, you know, you know, f you for not wanting, you know, not supporting these people." That's not the case at all. I'm just saying, from your personal wellness, you stay in that <clears throat> state of mind of being angry and being acutely aware of your symptoms every day, and then being angry about them. <clears throat> it locks them in place. And you don't get better and that you can take the best drugs or herbal treatments in the world and you'll reach, you'll just uh, plateau. I see a lot of angry people on Facebook who run groups, you know, uh, they're angry (laughs) or they're suicidal or whatever. And they stay in this mode of, you know, I'll never get better. There is no cure. And I've seen these people saying this for years and they're, they're not getting better. And they basically have this point of view of, like, I've tried it all. None of it worked. And that's what I see is they're right. And the reason it doesn't work is because of their mental state. And if you tell somebody that who is in that mental state, they will attack you. <laughs> you know, I've had that experience before. I've, I've just had the experience of just put putting out on my own personal Facebook page a a meme of, you know, a, a Buddha sitting there in, met, in the met Lotus uh, mode and saying either, you know, with illness, either you get bitter or you get better. <laughs> it's that simple. And it's true. It is absolutely true. And I had people attack me. You know, how dare you, you know, blame us, you know, for our own illness. I'm like, well, <laughs> there you go. You're, you're proving my case, but, you know, that that's that's how I got better. I got better by because I went through it. I went through that. I was angry, I was focused on my symptoms, and I you know, that's another thing. You don't call it your symptoms if you want to get better, you don't call it your disease. And you know, starting groups where people are mad and they're marching on Washington and all that stuff, I believe there's a place for that to a degree, but if you stay in that mode mentally and energetically, um you you won't advance. It's just a fact, and it's it's really difficult to explain to somebody because they want to be validated. That's the core of it. That they want their their injustices and and their symptoms to be validated by people because you in most of the cases this their support system don't believe they're sick, and that's that's a frustrating thing to go through. But that's all you focus on, and I felt it myself where I was trying to prove to everybody that my symptoms and everything were valid. Um, that's what kept my symptoms around until I finally just, you know, I just got sick of it after a while. I thought, you know, sort of focusing on the horizon of what would I be doing today if I weren't sick? And what can I do just today to make myself feel better? You know, listen to some music or look, watch a, uh, a comedy uh, stand-up routine that has, that I've noticed in the past when I watch it, I forget that I'm sick for an hour. You know, I started doing that kind of stuff, and then things started loosening up. And it, it's a hard thing to understand when you're in the mode of screw the world. Nobody's listening to me. There's no cure. We need to prosecute people. <laughs> you know, it's like you know they're all right. Everyone is right in this scenario, and then they complain that they're they're not getting better. Well, you're right. You're not. It's, it's when you take your focus off of all of these angry things and focus them on things that don't make any sense in the state, like forgiveness and gratitude. You know, that's what I wrote my book on. Once I shifted, it wasn't like overnight, like, boom, okay, now I'm better. It was things started loosening up. And then, you know, treatment started working better over the course of weeks and months. And that's how it all you know became a different scenario and that is the kind of the hidden piece for some people not everybody needs that but there's people you know people have been stuck for years and they're 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 angry about it that that, that's a clear thing i talked to a lot of healers who say the same thing like you know you're it's just really difficult to treat people who are who are mad and who are down and it's hard to even tell them that this is keeping them down because that makes them mad. <laughs> it makes them more mad, it makes them more depressed. Are you telling me I'm causing my own, you know, illness, you know, to stay, stick around? Well, yeah, you know, it's a hard thing to tell someone and have them respond and say, oh, thank you. <laughs> you know, so, yeah, that's, anyway, not, that's that's not I I the that's first
1: a, response. Yeah. <laughs> Right. If somebody's no, if no. somebody's primed for anger, I see this in my practice too. If somebody's primed for anger, and you shine light on that mechanism, the anger is released. That's that's the first thing that that has to, and actually, it it does have to be released to move on. But there's a difference. There's the release. It's like a shotgun, right? It's either your last shell. You either you empty it out the chamber. And there's there's no you know there's no new shell in there, or you just reload. And what happens is is uh, you get stuck in a loop where the anger is expressed but not released, and then it just it just reloads, and then it's just uh, a matter of time before it, uh, it explodes again. And I see this even people without Lyme disease. I mean, I've seen this. You get uh people who've res- uh, stayed away from anger and usually for really good reasons. It's like you, they're staying away from the anger because it's in a very close relationship. And if they express how much they were feeling, it's going to damage the relationship. But these resentments build up over, over the years. And then the anger will come up on something disproportionately small or unrelated. And It'll be, you know, well, you've got, you know, rage syndrome or something like that. You've got uh, anger management issues. It's not anger management issues. It's that things want a hair trigger and something triggered it. And uh, it's getting down to the original hurt and the original righteousness about uh, that hurt and, and, and wanting to exact revenge or justice. You know, there's a fine line between revenge and justice. Uh, can, can keep that going, can keep that going and, and prime for a long time. And here's the thing. I don't think you're saying, and I'm definitely not saying that there's not a case to be made for prosecuting these people. I mean, that's what courts are for. And pick up your pitchfork after you're feeling better. And this is an this is another funny thing too that came across early when I started doing these interviews, was some folks would say, you know, I, I have friends who've gotten better, and some of them just disappear. <laughs> it's like they yeah, they yeah. Got, <laughs> right they got better and they just moved on and they're not contributing back to the community they're not involved anymore and I think this is kind of things is they mm-hmm. feel better. And some of that anger dissipates and goes away. We we forget. We forget. I was just listening to this great book about rabies, neurological Lyme. I mean, Mm -hmm. the end stage of rabies is a raving lunatic, right? Because rabies is a virus that attacks the nerve, and you know, it it comes on (laughs) at the end. People are literally—it's hydrophobia. They're afraid of drinking a glass of water. Like they cannot drink water because they're terrified. Nobody in their right mind's terrified of water, but to them, it seems perfectly logical. You know, somebody's poisoned the water or whatever it is. So you get a conspiracy theory about water and it's just your brain's on fire and make stuff up. I was going to say the other S word, but make stuff up. And if your brain's inflamed, you're probably not in the best place to be making really, really good decisions. And that doesn't mean that these people shouldn't be prosecuted. It's a separate issue. So like get your brain calmed down, feel better. And if you're still thinking clearly at the end of the day, you say, you know what, I'm still going to uh, pursue this, great. And, you know, it takes it anger is a great motivating factor. You know, mothers against, you're kind of the same age I am, mothers against drunk driving. When they came, there were some angry moms, some really upset moms who came on. And took the whole culture of drinking and driving on and changed it, right? So that's, that's the energy that needs to change things. So th- there's a place for it. And it may be incompatible with healing, which is a really, really important point. So if you're stuck in Lyme and you're spending lots of time visiting these sites and getting fired up and sending off angry letters, it's like maybe that's one of the things that is. A roadblock in your healing. It's like think outside the tick. You know, our physio, right? (laughs) Right. Our physiological state influences how we can we can battle it and how effective the other treatments are. And it's you know that's the whole. Say it this way: it's a whole placebo effect, right? If you're in a good state of mind, things work better, and people get better, quote unquote, spontaneously. And in Western medicine and scientific Western scientists, they try to let's put the placebo effect over here because that's not real. (laughs) You getting better just because you thought something was going to work is not real. Getting better when I give you a pill and you have some side effects, that's real. Right. And that's just so dumb. If you get better because you go pray, if you get better because you believe Mm -hmm. you're going to get better and you get better, Mm-hmm. Who cares? Right.
0: Right. Who right. Who cares? Yeah, that's what I, yeah, I always, the whole thing about uh, the placebo effect. And uh, since I first, you know, heard about it in the 70s, people were like, oh, well, that's just the placebo effect. And then I thought, why don't we, well, the placebo effect sounds pretty amazing. <laughs> like, let's not, you know, discount it because, oh, you thought this drug was going to, this sugar pill was going to help you, and it did why is no one studying that? Because that's showing the power of the brain. And, you know, Mm -hmm. Dr. Bruce Lipton and Masaru Emoto have done, you know, extensive scientific testing, showing the power of the brain, you know, people focusing on the the word love and, and um, on a vat of water, 200 gallons of water that they ended up freezing. And then people focusing on hate and doing the exact same thing and looking at the crystals afterwards and seeing, you know, definitive difference in the crystals and uh, the ones with love look like snowflakes and the ones, you know, with, with hate look like diseased. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, so yeah, absolutely. I, I, there's, that can't be discounted, but you know, there's a lot of people have kind of just for whatever reason, and this is my point is, you know, early on, we're talking about is, we, we, it's, this is not a straight line from diagnosis, taking a couple pills and getting better. There, there, there are a lot of nuances and a lot of people are getting better from, I'm seeing people just getting better from fasting. You know, that's, that's one thing. Or people just, you know, becoming more spiritual and changing their diet. Some people just, I, I've heard of cases of people doing that. And that sounds just insane and crazy to a lot of people who are used to the traditional model of diagnosis treatment and cure Um, so anyway um,
1: right that you can you can affect the cure by by taking something away rather than adding something in
0: yeah and, and that the that the remedy comes from outside yourself that's that's another kind of element or ingredient that well he, he, i um, greg here's here's the
1: here's the fundamental issue <laughs> and there is an illusion of separation and you know this i'm just going to remind you of this there's an illusion of separation that there's outside and inside that's ridiculous that's ridiculous that's just the that's just a visual perception of things we're all connected i mean you know we we think of okay let's Let's isolate. Uh, you know, I've got a big vegetable garden outside that my uh, that my father-in-law tends. Let's isolate the I don't know the, the tomato plant and dig up the tomato plant and we'll wash off the roots. Right, and now we've got the tomato plant, but we've left back right all the bacterial, fungal, viruses surrounding that root the the they got a name for that you know it's the essentially the microbiome of the of the plant and it can't survive without it you know it's part of it and it that same goes for the water and the rain that's coming down or the water we're giving it and the minerals in the water and the same goes for what's in the air but yet it was like okay that's that's a tomato plant the rest of it is outside the tomato plant it's like no without that other stuff and without I even forgot the sun and then take the sun away right It's like
0: it right, dies right, right yeah it dies it's, yeah everything's related yeah, yeah.
1: so mm-hmm. one one of the issues we get into is we at some point you have to in order to study something you just have to draw an artificial line say so, okay we're not going to study this but that doesn't mean they're not related. And that's and that's what you're running into. So changing your diet, changing your heart, changing your mindset is all part of the milieu. Is all part of the stew that makes us up and influences everything. And there are it changes the physiology. It changes the genetic expression. It absolutely does. There's there's evidence that you know women and and men with trauma in their history, couple generations back, are much more likely to trouble conceiving. You know, what is what? Because it's because of genetic, cha- not genetic changes, but genetic expression, transcription changes. Like some mm-hmm. genes turn on and off, mm-hmm. right? That's, right. You, uh, you think that's that's appropriate, right? If, if you're being chased by a lion the whole time, it's like you better get good leg muscles and good oxygenation to keep running away from that lion. That's just, that's the way it works. So there's, there's these multi-general, these effects happen over time. They happen over space. And let's, you know, get woo-woo and say over consciousness as well. And it's all part of it. And just because we can't hold that all in our brain at the same time doesn't mean it's not real. Doesn't mean it's not real. Wow, how did we get there? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right, right. But that's the point of your book and the gratitude piece. Focusing on Mm -hmm. gratitude is one of these great connectors, uh, pivot points in mathematics. It's called a strange attractor where a lot's going on. By focusing on gratitude, it shifts so many things. It's such a simple thing to Mm -hmm. do and it's so powerful. Yeah.
0: Right. And that's, that's, you know, something that people are starting to study scientifically now is if you keep a mental state of gratitude in your body, it changes you energetically, and it changes the way you react, like you were talking about the, the environment of, like, your garden. But, you know, the environment of your, your treatment, it changes. So if that one element changes, and all of a sudden we've got a positive flow of energy coming in and out of you, the, the uh, medications that weren't working before suddenly start working better and maybe even to the point of remission. There's yeah there's more and more as opposed to being blocked when you're in a state of uh, fight or flight. So absolutely it's it's important and uh, you know just the thing that's frustrating is people who are in that fight or flight state. Um, they a lot of times they're not ready to listen to that and take it as and get defensive and um, look at that as you know they're being their symptoms and their approach are, are, you know, not legitimate because it's it's not working And the way that they legitimize it in their own minds is that nothing works. See, nothing's working for me. And, and the thing that forget even working, they're they're right. They're right. It's not working for them because of their, their mental. Yeah.
1: And so you you take the specific and you generalize. Which, which is,
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. Which
1: does have some power to right, it, I, but it's not working for right, me right. right now as opposed to it doesn't mm-hmm. work. And therefore, there must be. A, for anyone. For, right. Any <laughs> for time. anyone. Yeah. That's, that, I didn't that's get just, better, and you're right. not going to get better either because if, yeah. if you get better and yes, I don't, and it, there's something wrong with me.
0: Right. And the only people who say they get better are actually trying to sell Sell something. something, Yes. And uh, and, right, right. I
1: see that. You know, so the other thing you brought up, I think kind of ties this all together. And by the way, if you're going to send hate mail, send it to me instead of Greg, he gets enough hate mail. I need a little bit in my inbox because it's been a while. So if, if you've got a strong disagreement with this or think we need to bring up a point of view, I'm happy to have a conversation on the other side of things, uh, Really, that's not what Greg's about. It's more what we're about here at Lime Ninja Radio. So send, send those suggestions to me. And what you bring up is fundamental physiology. And you brought up the fight or flight state of mind. So literally, if you've got your metaphorical pitchforks and you're marching on Washington, you are by definition in a fight mode. Right? Mm-hmm. And that mode yeah. On purpose, the body's designed this way, on purpose, down-regulates your immune system because all the energy needs to be used for this most important current fight that you're in. So the body can't distinguish between, okay, you're in a gladiator cage and you're fighting for your life versus you're writing letters to your congressman about the horrors of Lyme disease. Physiologically, right. it's the same state. Yeah, Obviously, mentally, there's some differences. You know, one's chronic and, and one's acute. But physiologically, it's the same thing. So if you stay in that fight or flight stage, which is what you're talking about, what gratitude begins to shift you out of, your immune system, by definition, and go do, look at the science, go start Googling this, your immune system shuts down. And I don't care how many antibiotics you take. If your immune system isn't working, it's just a matter of time before something comes up and gets you, right? Whether it's a virus, parasite, Borrelia, mycoplasma, right? Mold, toxins, or mold itself. It's just, it's, that's the way the body works. And what, what you're saying is basically it's so simple. It's like, just calm down. take a (laughs) take a break calm down step back get your heart rate get your heart get your heart right get your mind right heal Mm -hmm. and then go fight you're not even saying don't fight it's like you just got the 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 order wrong
0: yeah right i and i yeah that's the the point i i want to make to the people who are who do get upset when i i mention this is i'm not against at all you know the fighting and and all of this needs to happen. The marching on Washington, all that stuff should happen. It's just, if you're stuck in your illness and I I know a lot of people who have gone down to Washington while they're sick and in wheelchairs and so forth, and they get a lot sicker because they're out there in the elements for one thing, but they're also angry and it's, it's hard for somebody to do it even when they're well. And so it's just not a great idea for people who are in, the spider flight state to really dig their heels in on the, the fight. Uh, you know, it's a time when you should relax, <laughs> stop focusing on the details of the symptoms and start looking at things you do have to be grateful for, which is hard to do when every day you wake up and you're like logging your symptoms and feeling them. But once you do, and once, you know, I think the most important thing is I just talked to a patient about this yesterday who said, you know, One of the things I loved about your book is talking about how there were phases where you forgot you were sick when you were were still very sick. And it was, you know, that's kind of like the placebo effect was for me seeing how strong and how um, much bearing mental state had on daily illness. And I I noticed like I would listen to an entire album on my favorite band or, or, you know, stand up, routine that lasted an hour and I was laughing the entire time and when it was done I noticed how did I forget I was sick that entire time and then we had patients saying that when we started the uh, TikTok Music Fest the concert series six hours you know it's a long concert everybody's ha- happy and listening to music and you know kind of this h- huge feeling of camaraderie I had patience And mothers of patients more than once say, my 16-year-old daughter, I haven't seen her smile in months. This entire time, for six hours, she forgot she was sick. That that, To me, that's powerful medicine. And um, that's how I started taking my focus personally off of this fight or flight and legitimizing my anger to um, loosening it up and just forgetting I was sick for short periods of time until it lasted longer. You know, that that's that's the stepping stone to do it. Because if you just come up to somebody with Lyme disease and they're in the mode of fight or flight and they're angry and you say, Oh, you just need gratitude, you need positive thinking. I, I see this cycle go around through the Lyme groups where somebody who's gotten better say, You just need to have gratitude, you need positive thinking and the people get really angry and the reaction is, You're you're blaming me then <laughs> you know, for my for me holding on to the illness. Well, no, but what, what will get better is you just stop thinking about all these details and start, you know, making plans on, on what you would be doing if you weren't sick and listening to the music you love and watching comedians or whatever it does, it, just some pursuit that takes your mind off of your pain. And if you can create a situation where you've forgotten that you're sick for an hour or two, that's really important. And that's what starts to, that's kind of the bridge, not kind of, that is the bridge from going from, you know, active daily infection and symptoms to it's starting to go away. And, uh, you know, I, another thing I mentioned in my book is Klinghart. I, I talked to a couple of patients of Dr. Klinghart who said something similar. He said, there's something weird about the illness where the bacteria likes the attention you give it. So that's <laughs> even further. <laughs> so he's like, when you focus your uh, your 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 intention, or not your intention, but when you put focus on the bacteria, it loves it. And if you ignore it, it doesn't like that. And I thought that was interesting too. So that's, that's kind of an interesting mix of if you just you know, make yourself forget, you know, you're feeling bad, you forget that you're sick, you're taking your focus off of the actual bacteria as well. And um, it, whatever energetic anchors it has to the body start to loosen up. and And medicine starts to get to work more effectively and you know it's not it's not like flipping a switch off uh maybe for some patients it is but for patients like me it took months and years just to i just got tired of being mad and sick all the time you get to that point and um anyway that's 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 kind of the bridge and i think that's the important thing for people to understand is uh you know you get bitter or you get better. <laughs> and it's not your fault if you're bitter because you have every right, every right to be mad. But do you, you know, that this is, the, the, the linchpin for me was, okay, what if, I, I analyzed it. I'm like, what if I proved to one of my doctors that I really am that sick and that he was wrong? Then what? <laughs> Will I be better? No. You know, what if I, I proved to my Family members, I did go through a really rough time and, you know, I suffered and it was because, uh, the medical system and the health insurance companies were completely unsupportive, almost to the point of being predatory. What, what if I proved myself right? Would I feel better? No, that's where I went from being, you know, bitter to uh, nobody cares, <laughs> Or whatever. Maybe not. Nobody cares, but it's not going to do me any good to sit here and, and have this long list of things that I'm pissed off about. And damn it, you know, I have I have every right to be, and it's legitimate. It just doesn't matter in your healing. What matters in your healing is to keep a, you know, to keep the stress out of your life and to create a, an environment for yourself where healing is possible. And it's not possible as we said now several times when you're in the fight or flight state
1: yeah that's so beautifully said and really what we're talking about here is how to live a good life
0: yeah right and this, you do, you, this formula works not just for lyme disease it works for everything right, right, that's <laughs> right?
1: right. And, and you you hear quite a few people who've come out the other end of really, really rough cases of Lyme disease say that they're better people or that they're grateful for the disease. They're not happy that they had it. They wouldn't wish it on anything. And they say, it's kind of weird to say being on this end and I don't want to be taken the wrong way, but I'm actually grateful that I had Lyme disease because I'm a better person. And it, you know, it forced them through the eye of the needle to make some of these, these hard decisions. And it,
0: well, yeah, that's the point of my yeah. book. And that's actually what, you know, the, the nuance to that is, is yeah, that's, that's actually it. That's, that is the punchline of I went from just being feeling grateful for certain things in my life that helped loosen up the disease. But then I took a step back and thought, wow, you know, I, I say this quote of, you know, this, the disease was like a forest fire it was burning my life down. And while, while it was burning my life down, I, I hated it. You know, my life was burning down. The things that I loved were going away. And, um, and then I realized, hey, you know what? Forest fires are actually good for a forest. And they burn away the dead wood. And they leave room for new growth. And actually, that's what was going on. So the life that I had prior to Lyme disease was completely different. I enjoyed it very much. And as it was burning up, I hated that it was burning up. But I look back on it now. And I have a new life that's actually better. I'm healthier than I was prior to the disease. And I look back and all those things that had such strong value to me uh, are, have almost no value to me now. You know, like case in point, I used to brew beer. I was very into microbrewing and all that. And I don't even drink now. (laughs) You know, that that was a big part of my life back then, you know, 20 years ago. But, has no value to me now. Now I'm helping people every day, not just a few, but dozens. And over the course of, you know, a year, hundreds of patients. And, you know, it, 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 every, every week I get emails or calls from people who are saying, God bless you. You, you, help, change, you change, help change my life. You, you know, you're doing God's work. Like, how often do people hear that? I don't know. But I never used to hear anything like that prior to Lyme disease, and, and, you know, this <clears throat> my life became more purpose-driven as a result of it, so I'm, I'm very thankful for it, and um, it's kind of that whole bitter better thing, like I, I, I've heard healers describe an illness as kind of a signpost in the road, where it's new information, and it's showing you that maybe the direction of your life and your lifestyle, what you're eating, you know, things like that, Uh, your, the illness is the indicator that there's something unbalanced and something's wrong. And most people don't look at it that way. They look at it like, oh my God, what, 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 what have I done to deserve this or something like that? And those are the two reactions you can have, you know, what was me? Why is God punishing me or whatever? What did I do to deserve this? You know, what, who did I kill in a past life or something, you know, to, to warrant this amount of suffering. Or you look at it as like, wait a minute, maybe I'm going down the wrong path here. And this is a big indicator that I need to make some changes in my life. And uh, that's uh, that's a huge dichotomy of where, you know, the people who get better can kind of unplug and look at things more objectively and think, well, wait a minute, you know, maybe, you know, me eating pizza every day. What What happens when I stop eating pizza every day? What happens when I stop drinking alcohol? What happens when... I remove these toxic people from my life. What if I change jobs and I'm not in this environment where I'm being attacked every day? And, you know, those because those are all things that can cause illness to rage. And if you pull those things out of the equation, you start being pushed into a, a different life. And that's that was the road for me was, wait a minute, Th- those things that I loved, uh were not loving me, you know, or whatever you know I wasn't they weren't healthy for me anymore. They worked for a while, and when all those things were changed, it took you know years, uh, I became a healthier person, and everything about my life changed to the point where i'm I'm grateful for the entire experience and uh it's you know it's a, If you would have told me that in the middle of it, when I was in my fight or flight stage, it it would have been really hard for me to understand that. Really, I'm going to come out of this and write a book about being grateful for this experience. That sounds pretty crazy. But you know, the people who have punched through to the other side and get through, um, it's it's kind of a common uh, reaction and a conclusion that I let go of a lot of things during. My life of Lyme disease. Yeah. It, I don't. I don't mourn. I don't mourn my past. My my life as you know pre Lyme. I, I don't mourn it anymore because it, it doesn't serve me anymore. I have a whole new set of priorities, and they're healthier. And people around me notice it, and I'm helping other people, and they're helping other people, and we're starting this whole gene reaction of you know gratitude and positivity.
1: So, Greg. Let's wrap this up. What? You know, if, if we're, if we're having a not a beer, if we're having a, <laughs> a, a, cu- a cup of tea somewhere. <laughs> right. And I'm yeah. coming in saying, and I'm, you know, we're having this conversation and let's, let's say that I'm, you know, really struggling with a plateau in my healing in my Lyme healing. And I am angry and I'm stressed out and I'm, you know, heading over toward depression or are depressed what would be the one action that you would advise me to take to begin to shift toward gratitude
0: the first thing i would say is all of your anger and all of your gripes and the things that the injustices that you've experienced and the pain it's all legitimate but the question is do you want to hold on to that anymore you want to continue proving to other people that you, this is where you are. because And that's okay if you want to, but you're going to stay there. And the best way to move on is by increments and taking daily steps of, you know, for helping you forget that you're sick and helping you uh, go towards a healthier life, knowing that this these illnesses are a signpost that there's something going on in your life that, uh, and may not be just one thing, maybe in multiple things that are causing imbalances and, and and disease. And, uh, it may be a wounded spirit, it may be toxic people in your life, it may be your diet, a lot of too much sugar, you know, that kind of stuff. And, it, or maybe may be every, it may be a bundle of those things. And you need to do a, an inventory, you know, and, and uh, look at those things and how valuable they are to you, and see if you can let your life burn them away and, and move towards a, a life that is more stress free and healthy and, and ultimately um, full of positiveness. And that. If you can make that switch, you know, any treatments that you're taking, um, with the accepted long, long long-term antibiotics, because what we've discussed before, they've been, the the bacteria's been weaponized against it. Any kind of natural treatments that you're doing, while you're changing your state of mind, um, your chances of recovery are very, very high.
1: Greg, this has been a fascinating discussion, and we have, wandered far and wide over the lime landscape. And thank you for your time
0: and attention. Thank you, McKay. I really appreciate it. I always enjoy it.
2: This was such an interesting, I I wouldn't even call it an interview, it's an interesting discussion. And what it reminded me of was that was a study that I came across recently that there's now a physical link in the brain between uh, your lymphatic system, your immune system, and the brain, that there's actually like a whole system of neurons. And they
1: found things. lymph in your brain. Is they, what did. they did. Yes. yes. And that's new. So just in case you think everybody knows everything about even something simple like anatomy and physiology, we don't. We really don't. There it is, sitting in daylight, right? The lymph in the brain. Come on, how many brain scans have been done? How many slices of brain have been looked under a microscope for how long? Decades, years, hundreds, millions, billions, and here we are. Something fundamental like, oh, by the way, there's a lymph in your brain, which makes whole lot of sense with the gut-brain connection, right? Yep. As they say 80% of the lymph is in your stomach, and that's why they say 80% of your immune systems in your digestion, too, because you have so much lymph down there. But if it's also then going up into your brain,
2: hmm, suddenly there's you, a connection. You are what you
1: eat. <laughs> okay, if you like what we're doing here at Lime Ninja Radio, hit the subscribe button, and that way you won't miss an episode.
2: Also, do you have any feedback, suggestions for guests, really anything? Send an email to feedback at LimeNinjaRadio.com.
1: Yes, and if you're interested in our Lime Journey Roadmap, just go to LimeNinjaRadio.com. You'll see links there for the extras, and you'll see it right there. It's a graphic organizer. Help get your mind around what you need to do. And if you really, really like what we're doing, leave us a review on iTunes. So if you're using the iTunes app, I think you just have to click a few buttons to get to, to the review parts. We've had a couple this past July. Yay.
2: It made us really happy. Thank we are you so, so much. Yes,
1: we really really appreciate it. Now the goal is to get two more for August. So August this will be out August one, right? Is tomorrow August first? Today's the thirty first. September, April, June. Uh, I'm so confused. Thirty, yeah, days. yeah, September, yeah. April, June. All right, tomorrow's so that's not the thirty. Oh, July.
2: Ooh. All the rest have 31. We're okay. Tomorrow's August 1st. No, it well, it's not July 32nd, so we're good there.
1: <laughs> so if you haven't left the review in a while, go ahead and do so. Or if you haven't left one ever, we would really appreciate it if you did. It helps us climb up the rankings in iTunes, helps us get noticed. People do look at those. It's kind of like Yelp, right? If you're going to a new restaurant, you look at the reviews. So go ahead and leave an honest review. We'd really appreciate it. And especially if you have something nice to say, if you have some really rough criticism for us, just send us an email. We can handle it. (laughs) We will respond. We take the good with the bad. And the email again is feedback at at limeninjaradio.com. And now, sadly, we must say goodbye. But before we do, there's the Lime Ninja fact of the day. Aurora?
2: Did you know? Arnold Schwarzenegger always says he'll be back, but ninjas always handle things the first time.